I wanted to start this morning by telling you a little story. When I was in college, I remember it very vividly. It was this time in my life where I was really, really wrestling with my identity, with who I, who I was and who God was calling me to be and what God was calling me to do. I was kind of at one of those crossroads in life where I was having to make lots of big decisions and transitions. And, and I was really, really wrestling with this idea of who am I and who, who is God calling me to be? What's God calling me to do? Uh, maybe you've been there before. Maybe you're there right now. Uh, but I remember very distinctly, uh, I, I was in college and I remember I had, I had joined a fraternity and I was trying to be that guy. And, and that turned out to be not quite as fulfilling as I thought it, was be, it would be. And so I was wrestling with, with that. And, and then uh, I, had, I had just been offered uh, an internship at a church. And so I was starting to work at a church and I was uh, trying to be that guy. And I was uh, wrestling with, with what that looked like. And so I was having all these uh, feelings of past, present, and future, kind of this uh, confusion and, and uh, feelings of unworthiness and inadequacy and thinking about uh, the, you know, the tasks before me and the journey that was ahead of me. And, and, uh, and, and I guess maybe uh, there was someone in my life that, that knew that was going on or they felt prompted by God, but I got, a, uh, I got a letter in the mail and it was from my grandmother. And it was strange for me to get a letter in the, in the mail from my grandmother because she lived about five minutes from me down the street. <laughs> but uh, inside, there was this piece of paper and, uh, and on top of it, it said, you're special. And there was a little note from my grandmother at the bottom that said, I found this and realized it was written just for you. And I wanna read it for you this morning. It said this, in all the world, there's nobody like you. Since the beginning of time, there's never been another person like you. Nobody has your smile, nobody has your eyes, nobody has your nose, your hair, your hands, your voice. You're special. No one can be found who has your handwriting. Nobody anywhere has your taste for food, clothing, music, or art. No one sees things just as you do. In all of time, there's been no one who laughs like you, who cries like you, and what makes you cry or laugh will never produce the identical laughter or tears from anybody else ever. You're the only one in all creation who has your set of abilities. Oh, there'll always be somebody who's better at one of the things you're good at, but no one in the universe can reach the quality of your combination of talents, ideas, abilities, and feelings throughout all eternity. No one will ever look, talk, walk, think or do like you, you're special, you're rare. And in all that rarity, there is great value. Because of your great value, you need not attempt to imitate others. You will accept, yes, celebrate your differences. You're special. And you're beginning to realize it's no accident that you're special. You're beginning to see that God made you special for a purpose. He must have a job for you that no one else can do as well as you. Out of the billions of applicants, no one is qualified like you. Only one has the right combination of what it takes to be you. That one is you because you're special. I, I've kept this with me for the, the last 20 years, 20 plus years, uh, since she sent that to me, I keep it in my Bible to remind me 
uh, not only of, of my grandmother's love for me, and she's since passed away, but not only her love, but, but God's love for me and the way that God sees me, the way that God sees you. I wanted to share it with you today because uh, as we mentioned earlier, we're starting this new series and it's called Uniquely. And it's all about this idea that God says you're special. It's about how we're uniquely created and called and commissioned by God for relationships and meaning and purpose in this world. There's a little phrase I put together that, that I've kind of built this series on and we're gonna go back to it and unpack it over and over again for the next few weeks, but, but it's this. We were created with sacred worth. We are called by God's sacred word and we are commissioned to God's sacred Work. Let me read it one more time. We are created with sacred worth. We are called by sacred word. We are commissioned to sacred work. In other words, what that means is, first of all, our worth is not defined by this secular world, but it's defined by God's sacred word. The world says we're defined by what? By, by what we do, right? And so we, we do things to seek position and possessions and power and prosperity. We work ourselves to death so many times trying to do all these things so that we can feel like we're worthy. God's word says our, our, we are defined by who we are, more specifically by whose we are, by who God says we are. I'm so thankful for our worship team uh, with those songs that are reminding us of that today, that, that you are who God says you are. And God says you're special. You are uh, of great value, of great worth, because God's word, God's letter to us, the word of God, reminds us over and over again, we are God's beloved children. We are created in God's image. We are called into God's family and we are commissioned for God's purpose in the world. So, so our work doesn't define our worth, but, but God's word defines our worth. But here's the interesting thing. Our, our worth defined by God's word defines our work in God's world because God teaches us what God wants us to do and be. Uh, pastor Rick Warren, he's a pastor in a church in California called Saddleback Church. He, he says, we are designed by God to make a difference for God. My friend, Michelle Holtzclaw, our family ministry director, says we are created on purpose for a purpose. I love that. Let, let, me, let me give you an illustration of, of what I think that means. Maybe you've seen this before, but I wanted to share it with you. Um, how many of you know what this is? What is that? Anybody, you can, you can just speak up. It's, it's, it's not a rhetorical question. What's that? That's right, it's money. It's a $100 bill. Now, who would like to have this $100 bill this morning? Anybody want that? You, you would like to, like to have it? Yep, okay. Now, before you say yep, back there in the back, somebody open the door and raise their hand. <laughs> but before you, before you make your decision, though, I wanna, I wanna just do something for you, okay? All right. Crumple this thing up here. You still, you guys still want, would you still take it? Really? What about, what about now? Now, would you still, you still want it? No, no, somebody's, somebody, I'm out now. I only like those clear, crisp bills. <laughs> All right, if you want it, somebody come up here and get it. Who wants it? Anybody want it? Oh, come on, come get it. Who'll who come get it? Yeah, come on, come get it. All right, I'm gonna keep it then, that's fine. 
Okay, there we go. There we go. Come on, Sean. Come get this thing here. There you go, man. Make sure you put that in the offering plate, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Just like that, yeah. If anybody wants to match that in the offering plate, you can do that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, I wanted to tell you, this is, this is a neat story. I did this, I did that at the 830 service and uh, somebody came up to me afterwards and said, you know, that was such a great illustration and, and they, uh, they reached in their pocket and they handed me a $100 bill and they said, I want you to, to take this and give this to somebody at the, at the next service. So uh, I thought that was just a beautiful picture of, of generosity and uh, it saved me my other $100 bill I got in my pocket too. So my wife will be happy about that. <laughs> I wanted to share that illustration with you this morning. You may have seen that before. It's a, it's a common illustration, but, uh, but I think the point of it is really uh, profound and, and powerful. Uh, it doesn't matter, right, what the $100 bill looks like. It doesn't matter what happened to it. It doesn't matter where it's been. It doesn't matter what shape it's in. It has value, right? It has worth because the one who created it gives it its value. The one who created it put those words on it that, that define its worth, right? And, and it's the same. It's the same for you and me. It doesn't matter what we look like. It doesn't matter what we've done or what's been done to us. It doesn't matter where we've been. It doesn't matter what shape we're in. What matters is what your creator says about you, what your creator says you're worth. It, it matters the word that's written into our DNA. We have worth because our creator says we are worthy, we are beloved, we are treasured. Over and over again, the Bible says we were created in the image of God. We've been given life, abundant and eternal in Christ. And we've been given these gifts and graces through the power of the Holy Spirit that gives our life meaning and purpose that's uniquely ours. Not because of what anyone else says, but because of what God says, amen? The good news of God's grace tells us this over and over again. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. We talked about that last week, that, that God loves us, that, that God created you. That means you are worth bearing the very image of God. Christ died for you. That proves that, that you're worth dying for. The Holy Spirit lives within us and give, has given us gifts to be used. We're worth dwelling in by the almighty creator of the universe. He says, you're worthy and I have purpose and meaning for your life. And the amazing thing about it is uh, that when we answer the invitation, the call to follow Christ, to become more like Christ, when we become more like Christ, we actually become more like the, the me that God has created me to be because Christ was, was the perfect example of being fully God and fully human. And so God is calling us to, to be more like Christ so that I can be more like the me that God created me to be. Does that make sense? It, it's kind of a, of, a, of a paradox, but it's this beautiful truth of, of how God created us. Uh, the journey of discipleship is about discovering the person that God has uniquely created you to be because God loves you. It's about discovering the possibilities uh, that God has uniquely called you to in Christ because God loves you. It's about uh, discovering the purpose that God has uniquely commissioned you for in your life through the power of the Holy Spirit because God loves you and because God loves those that God call, is calling you to. We were created with sacred worth. We were called by sacred word. We are commissioned to sacred work. Pastor Rick Warren calls this our shape. 
uh, and I love this. You know how much I love words and acrostics and alliteration, so you know I love this. The word shape, he says that stands for spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality, and experience. He said that we have those things that that makes us uniquely who we are, and God uses those things in our lives to make a difference in our lives and to make a difference in the world around us. He says we've been shaped to serve a purpose, a purpose that only we can serve. <laughs> we're gonna unpack that some more in the weeks to come, but, but it's basically this idea of, of we were designed by God to make a difference for God. We were created on purpose for a purpose. Does that make sense? You with me? Uh, basically, it means that, that you are uniquely you. You're, you're an original. You're, you're not just one in a million. You're one in seven billion. When God made you, God broke the mold. You're an original. And, and an original is worth so much more than, than a copy, right? Uh, but, but Rick Warren also says most people start as originals, but we end up as carbon copies. Why is that? Why does that happen? I think it's because we fall victim to what I call the, uh, the unhappy couple of comparison and competition, right? So many times in life, uh, comparison tells us that, that we're not as good as that person that we see over there or, or that person we see on social media, right? And so we feel like we have to, we have to be more like that person uh, because we feel less than. And if we were more like that person, if we had what that person had or did what that person did, then maybe our life would, would be more like we want it to be, right? That's, that's comparison. And then on the other side, there's competition, right? We wanna, we wanna do more, we wanna be more, we wanna be better than that person over there or that person that we see on social media, right? And so we compete uh, to, to be more than that person because we think if we can be more or do more than that person, then maybe our life will be more like we want it to be. The world beats into this, this one word and that word is more. And so we're always trying to do more so that we can be more, so that we can feel worthy, so that we can feel enough, right? But, but God's, God's spirit, God's word speaks this word, this one word to us, and it's the word enough. God says that we are enough. Jesus says we're enough. Jesus says in 2 Corinthians, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect even in our weakness. God knows our strengths and our weaknesses, and he loves all of us. There's, there's an old story about a, a, a Jewish rabbi named Rabbi Zushi, uh, Zusha, and it illustrates this point. He was this, he was this man of great faith, this spiritual giant, and uh, yet at the end of his life, there's a story about him being on his deathbed, and one of his students comes in, and he's sobbing, and the student tries to con console him and tells him he has nothing to fear because he's lived this great life. He says, you're as, you're as wise as uh, Moses. You're as kind as Abraham, and Rabbi Zusha replied, when I stand before the Almighty, I won't be asked, why were you not more like Moses? Or why were you not more like Abraham? But why were you not more like Zusha, right? God wants us to be who God created us to be. We don't need to compare ourselves to others. We don't need to compete to be like someone else. God has created us uniquely for a unique purpose in life. And so we need to be who God created us to be because God created us in such a way that you're special, you're unique. I'll never forget this, one more story. About seven or eight years ago, I was doing, many of you know the One Words book and the One Word series. I was a youth pastor and I was doing this series with my students and 
there was one particular student, her name was Claire, and she was, she was having some you know, struggles with her identity, this idea of the unhappy couple of, of comparison and competition, like most all students do, uh, and, and most all of us do at different times in life. And as we were doing the one word uh, series, we were doing the one word book uh, through her time of prayer and discernment, uh, God gave her the word enough. And uh, I'll never forget, um, we were at a retreat called Warmth in the Winter, and we were sitting there listening to the speaker, and the speaker got up there and started talking, and they started talking about how uh, God says you're enough. God wants you to know that you're enough. And as soon as the, the speaker said that word enough, Claire turned around and looked at me and smiled, and I smiled at her, and I gave her the thumbs up, and it was a pretty cool moment, but, but we, neither one of us were prepared for what happened next. The, the speaker started to call out names. The speaker said, Stephanie, God says you're enough. Thomas, God says, you're enough. And then the speaker looked right into the center of the room and, and pointed her finger and said, Claire, God wants you to know that you're enough. And this time Claire turned around and her eyes were as big as saucers and my eyes were just filled with tears. And all I could say was, amen. It was just such an amazing reminder now, not all of us get to have an experience like that, but I believe God calls each one of us by name and tells us that we are enough. Now, you may have heard me tell that story before, but I, I love to tell it because it's such a powerful reminder of, of God's presence in our lives. I, I, I got the opportunity actually last week uh, to talk to Claire and um, she, she just graduated from college and uh, she's getting ready to start her, her life and her career and all those things. And we were just talking about, uh, you know, we talked about that night when, when God uh, spoke her name and, and told her she was enough. And uh, she was talking about, you know, what she's wanting to do and, and how part of what, you know, that looks like for her is she wants to, uh, to work with people and, and make sure that they hear that message. Uh, it, by her words and by her actions. I thought that was just such a powerful example of her worth defining her work. It, it's such a beautiful picture of what God can do in and through our lives. And it's such a beautiful picture of God's grace in our lives. It, it's not about striving to do more or to be more. It's about trusting what God says that we are enough. And when we trust God, God will, will give us what we need. I bet there's somebody here today that needs to hear that, that needs to, to hear that word from God, that you are enough, that you are unique, that you are created with sacred worth, that, that you are called by God's sacred word, that you are commissioned to sacred work through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, that's the good news of God's grace. God, first of all, God couldn't love you any more or any less than God does right now. You don't have to do anything to earn that. You just have to receive that free gift. But at the same time, God has so much more for you that maybe you realize, maybe you ever dreamed was possible, more than you could ask for or imagine as God's word said, when you trust him and entrust your life to him. So whether you've heard it before whether or not, you, we all need to be reminded of that truth, I think, from time to time. And, and thankfully, God's word, God's letter to us is full of places where that message is proclaimed. Uh, I wanna share just a couple of my favorites with you this morning. The first one is Psalm 139. It says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. 
Ephesians 2, for it's by grace that you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork. Another version says we are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, the good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. And then finally, 1 John 3, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Amen? I put, I put a few more of these in the daily readings this week. I'd love for you to download the app and get the bulletin and, and read those each day so that you can be reminded of who you are and whose you are and what great things God has for you as you trust him and as you allow God uh, to, to shape you and form you to be more like Christ so that you can be more like the, the me that God created you to be. There's a, there's a daily, speaking of daily readings, there's a daily devotional that I love to read. Uh, you've heard me talk about it before probably. It's called the Seedbed Daily Text. My friend J.D. Walt is the author of that devotional, but this summer he's got a guest writer and his name's Dan Wilt, and he shared something this week that I thought was really appropriate for today in this message. He, uh, he talked about that phrase that you've probably heard before, God doesn't make junk, right? I love that phrase, and he does too, but he says, I like to turn it around and, and say it this way. And, and he says this, God only and ever makes glorious, beloved reflections of his generous love. I love that. Glorious, beloved reflections of God's generous love. Think about that for a minute. You are a glorious, beloved reflection of God's generous love. And when we allow God to work in and through us, people see God's generous love through us. What, what great love the Father has generously poured out on us that we should be called glorious, beloved children of God, that we should be reflections of God's unconditional, sacrificial, transformational love as we are uniquely created and called and commissioned by God for life in Christ. That, that's who you are. That's who we are. You, you may not feel like it, you may not see yourself that way. The world may not see you that way, but God's word proclaims it. I want you to hear that truth this morning. You may, you may feel like that $100 bill crumpled up and, and stepped on and tossed aside, rejected by this world. But today you need to hear the good news that, that because of Christ, you are accepted, you are beloved, you are treasured in God's eyes and in Jesus' name through the power of the Holy Spirit. You may feel less than compared to others. You may feel the need to compete for more, but God's word says by God's grace, you are enough because God says you're enough. The one who created you says you're enough because Christ died to show you that you're enough because the spirit lives within you and works through you to tell you and those around you that you are enough. God has given you so much and, and so you have so much to give to share with the world around you by simply being who God created you to be. That's what this series is all about. I'm excited about us spending some time talking about this over the next few weeks, about helping us discover who we are in Christ, who God created us to be so that we can do what God has called and commissioned us to do. So, so here's the application for today. Uh, my friend Rick Warren, I told you about, he's not really my friend, but he's kind of a long distance mentor, right? Rick Warren talks about how uh, when it's all said and done, 
when we stand before the Almighty, as Rabbi Zusha said, we're gonna have to answer two questions. We need to be able to answer two questions. Number one, what did you do with the Son? What did you do? How did you respond to the good news of God's grace in Jesus Christ? And then number two, what did you do with what God gave you? The first question is a question of salvation. And the second question is a question of stewardship. Now, stewardship isn't all about money. Sometimes we think that, but it really isn't. It's, it's about taking good care of what's been entrusted to us by God. Sometimes that includes money, but it's much, much more than that. So the questions I wanna leave you with today are these. Number one, do you know how much you're worth in God's eyes? And number two, how are you gonna spend what you've been given by God? Not just how are you, are you gonna spend your next $100, but how are you gonna spend your next 100 hours? How are you gonna spend your next 100 days? How are you gonna spend the, the roughly 100 years of this life that we've been given as a gift by God? The choice is yours. You could spend all that God has given you on, on regret over the past or, or anxiety over what's happening in the present or, or worry about what might happen in the future. You could spend all that God has given you comparing yourselves to others or competing for others for position or possessions or power or you could spend all that God has given you making an eternal difference in the lives of others for Christ and for his kingdom. And the way that you do that is by simply being who God has uniquely created you to be. By going to and to whom God calls you to go to in Christ. By doing what God has commissioned you to do through the power of the Holy Spirit. We're gonna dig into that for the next few weeks, but, but before we come to the table to be reminded of, of all that God has done for us in Christ, I wanna share one more thing with you. This was a gift that was given to me and I wanna give it to you. So I want you to hear these words again to you this morning. In all the world, there's nobody like you. Since the beginning of time, there's never been another person like you. Nobody has your smile, your eyes, your nose, your hair, your hands, your voice. You're special. No one can be found who has your handwriting. No one anywhere has your taste of food, clothing, art, and music. No one sees things just as you do. In all time, there's no one who laughs like you, cries like you. What makes you cry or laugh will never produce the identical laughter or tears from anyone else ever. You're the only one in, your, in all creation with your set of abilities. Oh, there'll always be someone who's better at one of the things you're good at, but no one in the universe can reach the quality of your combination of talent, ideas, abilities, and feelings. Through all eternity, no one will ever look, talk, walk, think, or do like you. You're special. You're rare. And in all that rarity, there is great value. Because of your great value, you don't need to attempt to imitate others. You need to accept Yes, celebrate your differences. You're special and you're beginning to realize that it's not an accident you're special. You're beginning to see that God has made you special for a purpose. He must have a job for you that no one else can do just as you can do it. 
Out of the billions of applicants, only one is qualified. Only one has the right combination of what it takes. That one is you because you're special. But don't take my word for it. Take God's word. Amen? Will you pray with me as we come to the table together? God, we thank you for the reminder that you have created us with with infinite value and worth in your image. God, we thank you for uh, the good news of of grace that, that even though, God, we bear your image, that we fall short of your glory, that because of uh, things that we have done and things that have been done to us and uh, just from the, the, the simple fact of living in this fallen world, we've all fallen short of your glory. We've, we've not loved our neighbors. We've not heard the cry of the needy. We, we've not been an obedient church at times. We have done things we shouldn't have and not done things we should. And we ask for your forgiveness. But we thank you for the good news that while we were yet sinners, you loved us unconditionally and Christ died for us. That proves your love for us. We thank you, God, that in the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. God, we give you all glory and honor and praise. We thank you, God, that that we can now come to your table to receive grace and mercy and forgiveness and reminders of, of how much you love us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. On the night that Jesus gave himself up for us. He took bread and he broke the bread and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take, eat, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup and he gave thanks to God and he gave it to his disciples and he said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you do it, do this in remembrance of me. And today, Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with God and with one another. So we're invited to the table today. This is not a United Methodist table or a fellowship table. This is Christ's table. And he invites us to come and experience this means of God's amazing grace. Before we do, let's pray. God, we pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on these gifts of bread and juice. We pray that you would make them be for us the body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, so that we might be, for the world, the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Holy Spirit, we pray that you would make us one with Christ and one with each other and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. All honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. As you take the the kit this morning, as you pull out the, the wafer, would you hear these words? This is the body of Christ broken for you. And then as you remove the second layer and receive the juice today, would you hear these words? This is the blood of Christ shed for you. Thanks be to God. Amen.